So I had some wax lips with me. I uh, got them for Halloween. And my wife was funny because she was like, what are those for? And I was like, it's just humor. I mean, come on. It's funny, right? She didn't laugh. I was worried about her. But after last week's message from Pastor Todd, I just believe that maybe it would have been best that I just had to have my lips sealed rather than moving and just maybe just replay his message and just with me with the wax, wax lips. Uh, he said no, uh, so I have to say something this morning. <laughs> if you weren't with us last week, Pastor Todd actually opened us up in a proverb that we're going to have on the screen here. So we Proverb 16:24, and it says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, health to the body. Last week, Pastor Todd spoke about how our words, if our words could be sweet as a honeycomb if it was controlled by God in three ways. Our heart, our mind, and our mouth. And those went together as we heard last week. And if you did not, if you weren't here last week, then I want to ask you to go back to the podcast. Because I'm going to piggyback off of what Pastor Todd spoke about last week. So if you're like, man, I am confused. I have no idea where Cody's going. Go back to last week. And then replay mine if you want to. So I am thankful that you guys are here this morning. In today's message, I just want to let you guys know that it is for the Christian. But if you're not a Christian here, I want to let you know that I am going to speak of a standard for Christians that you now can hold Christians accountable to. So write stuff down. Be like, <laughs> that guy at work, bam. If you're not a Christian. If you're a Christian, I'm going to talk about a standard that I believe that God's word is guiding us in our words. And one thing I'm going to actually introduce this morning that I think it's, it's better off knowing is that cussing is not the sin, it's the heart that cusses. I'll say that again. Cussing is not the sin, it's the heart that cusses. I know we believe it may be the other way around, but it's not. And this morning we're going to dive into really what does that mean? Why does the heart cuss? And again, if you weren't here last week, Todd spoke about the heart. We spoke about how the heart is the wellspring of life, so guard it. Wellspring of life, what that means is that decisions, words, how we love, how we interact, is all guided by our hearts. So today, we're going to speak about really the heart. It unpacks that and how our words not only affect our hearts, but the hearts around us. I remember when I was a, a high school student. It wasn't that far back student, so don't think I'm 80 years old and crippled. No, it was just 10 years ago. I was in high school, and I remember that I didn't want to be a Christian because the Christians around me were doing the same things and speaking the same way that I was. And so I declared I am not going to be that person because of how that person lives, but yet will proclaim something else. 
I remember this guy who would walk around with a Jesus Freak Bible. Uh, students, that was cool back in the 90s. Uh, it was a DC Talk song called Jesus Freak. It was cool. Yeah, it still is, Bob. You're right. It still is cool. If you haven't heard it, you need to hear it. It's a great song. But he would walk around, and he would tell people, you know, he would tell people about Jesus, and he'd be like, yes, he's my Savior. But one day in play practice, uh, I was in a play, uh, actually a musical, called Oklahoma. Uh, I was Ike. If anybody knows it, I was a character. I can't remember what he was. I was more focused on me. I know, weird, right? High school focusing on me. Huh. Any hoots. There's this guy who's in a play with me, and when he would speak, he was like, yeah, cool, but one day he chose to come in, and it was just a group of us. We were all dressed like cowboys, you know, and I had two pistols because I was cool. I was a senior, and I was firing. He came up to the group of guys I was with, and he said something really inappropriate, and it blew my mind. I was like, hold up, what? I actually said, told him to repeat, what did you say? Say what? And he repeated it, and I was like, wow. In that moment, I realized Christians struggle to fitting in rather standing up for what is right. Christians standing for wanting to fit in rather than wanting to stand for something right. And I know I'm not the only one who's been turned off by words, right? Especially by Christians. In fact, I believe there's some of you in here that you decided not to be part of a church or you kind of hesitant of even coming back to church because of what somebody has said. You know, you're like, ha, ha, I'm not going to be you. I'm going to be like that guy. That goody to you. not going to be them. If that's what Christianity stands for, then I ain't going to be part of that church. Or you may be on the other hand. Maybe you said something. Ooh. Maybe it was out of wanting to be accepted. Maybe it was out of anger. Maybe it was out of hurt. Maybe it was out of jealousy. But you said something to someone. And every time that person's name is mentioned, and every time you see that person, it comes back, doesn't it? Ooh, that, oh, I said that. You're reminded over and over, oh, I said that. See, I joke around 86% of my life. Not 90, I'm not going to round it up. I'm going to say 86. And it drives my wife bonkers. Like, she goes nuts. Because she's one of those people who just accept words, and they're like, okay, you really mean what you say. Well, there's been several days that I've shown up and said something, and it caused my wife to have a reaction. One day, I remember... I was just frustrated with work, and I came in. I was fixing a sandwich or something or getting a drink of water. I can't really remember. But I remember saying, I want to move to California and just surf, and I hate my job. And I said it. And I was like, okay, I'm moving on with life. I looked up. My wife had this stare of a deer in a headlight like, you know, I just told her, you know, I'm dying or something. And she's just like, I was like, oh. You know that, fellas, you know that moment where you're like, hmm. Yep. So I just froze there because I was like, what, my second month in marriage? I'm like, ah. Mkey. All right, I know that, that that's a bad face. Um, and so I, I was like, are you okay? 
She was silent with a dear face look. And I was like, uh, are you okay? She started crying. And she was like, Cody, I need consistency in my life. <laughs> Cody, I need, you, I need to be stable. I just got friends. And I'm thinking, what? what? Hold on. How did you get that? How did you get that? And I realized on that day that my words affect my wife. Not my proudest moment. Hopefully I said great things to her. And not always dear and crying look. Um, but I knew then, I was like, okay, my words affect not only my wife, but others around me. Our words affect people. And we know this because in this book, in this historical document, it says that God spoke things into existence. He said, let there be light and light happen. It may, okay, so if you're not a Christian, then you maybe remember something of this sort. There was a man, his name was Martin Luther King Jr. He had a speech that he's most famous for. I have a what? I have a dream. Oh, words, our words affect people. And if you're like, okay, I'm not really, I've never heard that one before. How about this one? One small step for man, man, thank you. And one giant leap for mankind, thank you. Wow, you all need to go back to history, you know? Are you smarter than a fifth grader? I mean, woo, okay. It's going to be a long morning. But here's the thing. So we know that, yes, words have affected not just us, but generations. And there is, a, there is a man in this book who wrote a letter to Jewish Christians who was the brother of Jesus Christ. Now, here's something I want you guys to, to kind of ponder as we speak this morning. What would your brother have to tell you for you to be convinced that he was God? Think about that one. What would your brother have to say or do to convince you that he was God? That's James. Yeah, it's a different story, isn't it? The perfect son. Yes, you know, okay, yep, I did something wrong. You're God, whatever. And we're going to read James. As we read James, I want everybody to stand up. Just for you all to wake up. Because apparently we all need it. If you need to bend your knees, bend your knees. Don't lock them. Okay, if you guys can read James chapter 1, verse 26 with me, that would be amazing. I'll start us off. And a 1, and a 1, 2, 3. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, the person, religion, is worthless. I'm going to prayer. You guys can be seated. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for just speaking to us and how our words affect not only just us, but others around us. Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. May it not be of me just to crack laughs, but God, may you actually be spoken about. May you be glorified through my words this morning, God. Praise things in your name. Amen. Um. What I believe that James is communicating to us through God's word is, point one, if you write, write stuff down, is if our words are not controlled, our faith is rendered ineffective. I'll say that again. Our faith is rendered 
ineffective. The word religious that James used in Scripture is only used four times in the New Testament. And two of those times is actually mentioned here in chapter 1, verse 26. And the word religious and religion is actually meaning an outward expression towards a God. Well, again, James was writing to Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. So he was speaking to those who say, yes, I have an outward expression towards God, faith in Christ Jesus. So I'm actually going to put faith where religious and religion is used in Scripture and I'm going to say it like this. If anyone thinks he, is, he has faith and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's faith is worthless. And faith, I'm going to describe it as this. Faith is trusting that Jesus Christ is God, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He became sin on our behalf. Then he rose from the grave in three days. To go back to the Father, to send the Spirit to guide the church until the day he returns. I'll repeat that because maybe you guys can write it down too quick. All right. Faith is trusting. Trusting that God, that Jesus is God. Trusting that Jesus died for our sins. Trusting that he rose from the grave. What? Why? To go back to the Father and trust that he sent the Holy Spirit. Trust that he is guide, the Spirit of God is guiding the church into the day he returns. That's faith. Faith is everlasting. Faith is eternal. Not once in a while. See, my wife believes and has faith that the Cowboys will someday go back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, right, Jerry Jones, not happening. See, we approach faith that way, right? Because faith that way can be once in a while. That means you can control it. For faith eternal is something that's a continuing process, not once in a while. So if you proclaim in those things and say, yes, Cody, I believe, I trust all those things, and you can say, all right, then you have faith in Jesus. If you have faith in Jesus and you do not control your words, then therefore your faith is rendered ineffective. It's rendered ineffective because you know what you're saying to the public? You're saying, I still have a heart that's not redeemed. Because if you do, uh, going again, look at our notes, our undisciplined spoken words suggest a phony faith no matter how well our faith is carried out. Meaning, it doesn't matter how many times you read the Bible or come to church, if our words don't back up our faith, our life is like a mirage, casting a vision that's not there. Some of us are really good at mirages, aren't we? Yeah, we're the perfect family. We've got the house. We've got the kids. We've got the cars. We got everything. We got the 401k. We're even in in CBS. We do Bible studies. Casting a vision that's not there. Because deep down there's something going in. We cast our mirage because we want people to think we're good, right? When really you're just screaming. You're screaming out for a redeemer. And I want you guys to know 
in verse 26, James is not talking to those who sometimes fall into the sin of words. He's talking to those individuals who continue or habitually go to this, go to gossip, go to cussing, go to foul language, go to a sexual Indian. Wow, that's so cool. You know what I'm saying. who do that continually every day. That is the individual that James is saying, huh, you better watch it because you're deceiving yourself. So I think if you write notes, here's something that God spoke to me about when I was studying this, is through our speaking habits, our hearts are shown. I get that in Matthew 12 verse 33 through 34. Have it up there. It says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the, what? Say that with me. Out of abundance of what? The what? Out of abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Hmm. So, this is what I'm thinking. If you have jealousy, if you have jealousy in your heart, give it a little while, it'll come out. If you have anger in your heart, it'll leak out. Because out of the heart. The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But Cody, you don't know what happened to me. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I've heard your language. I know what's up. I've heard your story. You don't have to say it. You got broken all written all over you. Why? Because your mouth speaks it. We know this because there is individuals all around us where we work, maybe in of our homes, that is still hurt by something. And they, they throw it on who? Us. Or maybe you throw it on them. It's amazing how many times we hurt the ones that loves us the most, isn't it? Especially with our words. And here's something I want you to do. Here's a side note. If you're like, man, Cody, I don't have a problem with cussing uh, or any of my language. Hey, just because you use Christianese, which is, is a term, Christianese is darn, horse feathers, shucks, dang it, you are, still pro, you are proclaiming a heart that's still broken. Because the words isn't the problem. Cussing is not the problem. It's the heart of the cusser. Ooh, something to that one, isn't there? What's going on here? Give it a while, it'll come out. And everybody around you knows that because they feel the hurt that you cast on them. Here's two lies I think we fall into when it comes to our speech. One is we need to fit in, right? It's kind of like the missionary thing. Well, if I'm going to be a missionary to you know, this group of people, I need to talk like them. Wrong. How about this? Maybe you don't fall into that one. Maybe you fall into this one. Well, 
If that person didn't want me to talk about it, then they shouldn't do it anyways. Or how about, hmm, well, it's not going to really hurt them because it's truth. And people need to know the truth, right? It's funny how we mask prayer requests just to talk about other people. Say that again. It's funny how we use prayer requests just to talk about other people. Gossip, maybe? Hmm. I'll let you decide that one. We fall into those lies because there's a preference issue. We have a preference. I have a preference. You have a preference. We all have a preference. We all were raised differently. So the way we communicate is different. I know that. How I was raised in communication is different than how Maddie was raised in her communication. We have a preference. But here's the thing. When your preference becomes the gospel, you're sinning. The gospel should be influencing your preference. I'll say that again. If you think your preference is the gospel, you're sinning. It should be the other way around. The gospel should be influencing your preference. Point two, I think James is communicating to us through his word, is our words can either drive someone towards faith or away from faith. I'll say that again. Our words can drive someone towards faith or away from faith. Why? Because it deals with this. Whatever's going on in this will come out. See, I struggle with a, a huge issue in the church that I struggle with gossip. It's not that I do gossip. I get annoyed when people gossip. Nothing is worse than people coming up to a pastor to tattletale. Oh, it drives me crazy. Because one of them say, like, so, so I'm sinning because I'm like, oh, this heart of like acid wants to come at you right now. That's calmly. I'm going to say this calmly. So if you struggle with gossip, I'm going to say this as sweet as I can. Grow up. Put your big girl pants on. Put, put on your trousers, whatever you call it. Grow up. You know why I say that? Because Jesus says it. In Luke 6, 37 and 42, judge not and you will not, what? Be judged. Condemn not and you will not. Forgive and you will. Then verse 42, I love this one. How can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck that's in your eye, but you yourself don't see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. How many of you have been called that before? First take out the log that's in your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. Log can also mean the word plank. You got a plank here. You see something. Yeah, boom, speck. You can't see that, can you, back, back row? Yeah, get thicker glasses. Yeah, we got a speck, plank. Which do you think is going to cause you to not really cl see clearly? Huh? It's not multiple choice, guys. It's either right hand or left hand. All <laughs> right? <laughs> Whew. A little slow. Okay. Middle schoolers got this. 
Apparently not smarter than a fifth grader. Okay, yeah, it's a lot harder to see with this than it is with the spec. But here's something that, if you're saying, well, Cody, should we not keep Christians accountable? No, because Scripture, Jesus says, you got to remove this, and then you can remove this. Jesus still says, you will see clearly to remove. Jesus says, well, don't remove it. No, no, we can still keep Christians accountable. But where are we supposed to check first? Check your heart. His religion, his faith is worthless, and he deceives what? Not multiple choice again, I'm pointing to it. Heart. He deceives his heart or her heart. Gossip is saying your purity and your preference is the standard for God. The habitual practice of gossip indicates a heart that's not right with God because you're a sinner. You got sin in your heart. You ain't perfect. Only God is. See, here's the thing with gossip. You know what gossip does? Gossip says it makes, it makes us focus on this person so that you can hide behind this person's sin and not really talk about yours. Right? I mean, think about it. Well, so-and-so did this. Because when we get really to it, your problem is six feet tall. That person's problem is only three feet. You can hide behind gossip because gossip focuses the attention on someone else and not you. Deceives his or her heart because you can hide behind it. The gospel is what we read in Luke. But here's something also in Mark 2.17. If you guys are wondering, okay, what is the, what was, what's the purpose of speaking sweet words? This is it. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the what? Righteous. But the who? Get off your holy rolly chair. Please. Because us sinners who needs redemption... Every day from Jesus Christ, we're trying to change the word, world with our words. So if you think, oh man, I need what I need to strive for, to speak to the righteous ones, all those in our little group that I feel comfortable in, false. Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, not just your friends. Because Jesus came the mess. Jesus, and through those words right there, it says, came for the sinners. He says, go run towards the mess. That means your words should look and live in such a way that it proclaims Jesus so that the mess would see Jesus. Question is, what does your words really represent? The great Methodist preacher, John Wesley, once was confronted by a critical woman who said, Mr. Wesley, your bow tie strings are too long. So Wesley got some scissors and said, well, madam, please cut them to your liking. And so she did. Then John Wesley grabbed the scissors and he says, ma'am, <laughs> your tongue is too long and it's offensive to me. Stick it out. <laughs> well, here's the thing, y'all. There's some of us who needs the scissors of repentance 
and turn right back with God so that others would see a heart redeemed, not a heart. And it is not healed. See, there's a reason why Jesus says, focus on your heart before you focus on others. Because your heart's leaking out. Others already know what's going on. How awesome would it be if our words were so sweet and proclaimed faith in Jesus? Who could resist it? Right? If we spoke in such a way where they're like, man, I want what he has or I want what she has, because just by their words, how awesome would that look like in your life? How awesome would that look like in my life? And see, maybe you're not struggling with gossip, but maybe you're struggling with something else. Maybe you're struggling with fitting in with the boys, fitting in with your golf buddies, fitting in with the girls. Here's, a, here's another lie. Uh, it's a lie if you just believe that girls don't speak foully. Have you noticed that there's characters in movies now where the woman is more vulgar than the guys? Identity theft that's coming out. She's more vulgar than uh, Jason Bateman. Why is that? Because the world's changing. It's a lie if you think girls ain't doing shop talk. They just hide it better. See, when I was in the military, I struggled with fitting in. I struggled fitting in with the mechanics, but I couldn't. I couldn't. In fact, it was so funny because they would tell me to wear earmuffs uh, when they would speak. And I did. You bet your butt. I did this. Why? Because <laughs> some of the things they were saying were so, <laughs> I could even, I didn't want to know the definition of it. They were, I remember one time I asked, what does that word mean? And I felt like I should take a shower. I felt like I need to clean myself. This is weird. Probably because I was covered in oil too. But it was probably mostly because of what they said. Fitting with the fellas. Fitting with the guys. But you know what was a, a, a big win for me in the military? Was when the guys came up to me and says, you know what, Cody? You're the real thing because you never condemned me. And I told them, I looked it in their face and said, because I don't hold you to standard of Jesus because you don't believe in Jesus. Christians, stop holding non-Christians to the standard of Jesus. Here's the funny thing. You struggle with the standard of Jesus. Why are you trying to hold somebody else to that? That doesn't make sense. It's like, quick, make it worse. If we struggle with that, how can you lead somebody else out of it? You can't because it was meant for Jesus. Our words can influence someone else's faith because what the heart needs is words sweet like a honeycomb. If you're asking, what does that mean, sweet words? Well, it means influencing your words for the gospel. If you're looking at our next point, it says on there, influencing your words for the gospel, speaking as if Jesus was beside you, because he is. If you're wondering how you can get out of struggling with gossip, 
will influence your words for the gospel. Remember, the gospel is just like faith. The gospel is the sweet news of Jesus Christ, his God. He came to save you and redeem you. He died so that he could go back to the Father and sent the Spirit of God to guide the church until the day he comes. I don't think you got that. I'll say that again. Jesus Christ, I didn't even hear an amen. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ died for you to be redeemed. Why? Because your standard wasn't really working out. He died for you to go back to the Father, to come for the Spirit of God to come to guide you. You want to know how you can speak sweetness? You listen to the Spirit of God inside of you. Because the heart will come out eventually. I'll get back to that. Spirit of God guides the church until when? To the sweet day that Jesus Christ comes back. Amen. Come on, people. This is church. Seriously. Whew. Mary, you go back to the gospel. Preach the good news. The good news. That's the good news, y'all. Is that your standard isn't working. The standard is Jesus. That's the good news. You ain't supposed to strive for you to be better. You're supposed to strive to be Jesus. Influence your words for the gospel. What it would look like if your heart was spilled out of Jesus. Besides anger and bitterness. Your loved ones will love you a little bit better, won't they? Influencing your words for the gospel is speaking to people as if Jesus was beside you. Because he is. He is beside you. And if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. That means God is in you. That means we're supposed to pay attention to what we say because it affects faith. Here it is. Your words can build a house or it can tear it down. Your words can build things. I have a dream. Built something, didn't it? One set for man, one journey for mankind did something, didn't it? How about this? Go sin no more. Created a revolution, didn't it? Man coming, forgiving sins. <clears throat> Doesn't get better than that. Your words can build a house. We're going to be your greatest weapon. What are your words? A weapon? Women, you know how to tear down your husband. What you doing? Men, you know how to speak sweetness to your wife. What are you doing? Kids, you know how to tear down your parents better than anybody. What are you doing? Is that? Are you showing a heart? That needs to be redeemed? We're showing the heart of Jesus. It says something, doesn't it? Here it is. If you want a takeaway, the takeaway is this. You must instruct people in how to believe first. Stop trying to get people to behave. You can't behave, so stop it. Believe. Your word is supposed to influence people to believe. Second, you're supposed to influence people to belong. When was the last time you talked about church? Huh? You guys can't even say amen in church. This is the place. This is the place where you're supposed to be like, oh, yeah. Well, here's the problem. You got a problem with church, don't you? That's why you don't tell people to belong. They need to believe. You need to instruct them to belong. They need to belong here. Maybe not here. It's maybe somewhere. 
But church, there's something awesome when a community of believers come gathering to hear God's word. There's something about that, right? There should be. How about this? Don't work on behave. Let God do that. You are not supposed to be the guilt trip. The Spirit of God is. I'll say that again. You are not the guilt trip. If you're trying to guilt people, you are sinning yourself and you're deceiving yourself with your words. You deceived your own heart because you think your standard's the best. No, no, no. Behave. Behave is God's job, not yours. As the band comes up, we're going to go in prayer. I want to leave you this bottom line. Choose your words that are sweet because faith is affected by it. Why don't you all bow your heads? I'm going to bring up something. Have you said something to make someone not choose faith, but rather choose anger? If you got that person in your mind right now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to forgive yourself. I want you to say, I'm sorry. If there is somebody in your work area that doesn't know Jesus, is that name popping up right now? I want you to pray that the Spirit of God will speak sweetness through you. Through you. And here it is. I'm going to to pray right now, God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for how sweet you are and how unsweet we are because it shows that we need you. God, I know there there are hearts in here that is not redeemed, and God, it's hurting. They're hurting because somebody said something that they would never amount to, and it's still on their minds. Spirit of God, I want you to touch them in such a way to where they would know that you love them. God, come rescue our hearts so we can speak words of sweetness of faith.